Let, let me begin uh, by just expressing my gratitude. Uh, I want to say thank you um, as a church. It was a very busy week um, at Big Woods. And um, on Sunday, Jack Shear passed away. He'd been a member of Big Woods for a number of years. And yesterday, we had the privilege of hosting his memorial service. And I just want to say thank you to, to the many people that just stepped up. I mean, there were people parking, uh, directing traffic, and ladies preparing food, and, and people involved in music. And I want to thank you for that. Um, God is really doing a work, and there's so many individuals on a regular basis that work behind the scenes that no one really ever knows about. And I want to express my gratitude and, and, and my delight and my joy as your pastor to see individuals that serve others and want to love others um, in that way. Um, it's interesting that just this week at, at Big Woods, we really bookend it. We, we see the beginning and end of life as, as God chose to take Jack home on Sunday and, and baby, baby Ben Coleman was born on Thursday. And that is just such a delight. Congratulations to the Coleman family. Um, I, I thought that it's very evident that God is in complete control. He, he is the one who gives life, and he is the one who takes life. And we have the privilege of worshiping a God who is in complete control of everything. And so it is a delight, and I'm humbled to be your shepherd, and I want to express my gratitude for the many, many ways that God is using each of you. I thought it was interesting. Um, um, a couple about a month, two months ago, we, we did a little bit of a campaign where we sent mailers out to individual homes, arrived in people's mailboxes, and we did a little radio campaign and put word outs. And I, I'm sure that advertising is neat and important, necessary to a degree. But let me tell you this. We went in and had the chance of meeting a lot of new um, attenders to Big Woods, and we asked them, like, why Big Woods? Like, how'd you get here? Um, and, and in all honesty, nobody really arrives uh, through advertising necessarily, they arrived because relationships were established and someone brought them to church. Come with me. Come with me to this church because God is doing something. And, and I'm not trying to disadvertise. I'm sure it's necessary, but emphasizing how important relationships are and to encourage you to continue to do that. Identify those individuals that are seeking and searching for answers and bring them with you, and God will continue to have an amazing impact on this community. Let's bow our heads and just ask for God to bless our time, that he be glorified as we learn from his word this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful that we have the privilege of coming directly to you in all of your um, supremacy and your majesty and in, in all of your greatness and all of your glory. And, and, Lord, we come to you through the name and through the work of Jesus and what was accomplished on the cross. We are so grateful for your word that has been, has been given to us. And, and I would ask, Lord, as we now dig into um, the depth of it, that you would give, that you would grant um, eyes to be opened and, and ears to hear from you from you alone, that you would be glorified and, and magnified through this time together. God, I would ask that you would guard my lips, give my, my mind the clarity of thought and, and my lips um, the, the right words so that we understand, Lord, we've heard from you 
and that we leave from your house this morning understanding we've heard from you and understanding what it is that you've called us to do as we are to articulate with great clarity the message of the gospel and the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Father, I would ask that you would minister in a unique and a special and a powerful way to bring comfort that those who are sitting here today or those that may hear this message, comfort to their souls. And Lord, as well, we ask in all honesty, as hard as it may be, to, to perhaps uh, prick the hearts of some, convict them, bring them to their knees so that they understand the importance of following you, of following only you. We ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Galatians, chapters, Galatians chapter 1 is our text. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me. We're, we're going to read today from verse um, 5 down through verse 10. Excuse me, verse 6 down through verse 10 as we continue on in our series, what I call Forever Free. Our study in the book of Galatians. Paul is the author here. We learned that last week. And he says this, Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. I am astonished. I, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. When I look this morning at the subject of how dangerous it is for people to swallow a lie or believe untruth. I don't know if you pick up on it or not, but there is a lot of people that are swallowing things today that are complete fallacy, that are complete lies. From, from even the things that we notice in our, in our world of, of, of advertising, the age-defying face cream. You're, you're really not defying age. Okay? just want to set the record straight. There's a thousand things. There's diet pills and, and fat burners and, and bogus get-rich-quick money-making schemes. I, I stumbled upon something this week, an advertisement. You can get a master's degree for $49.99. No, you can't. You ever hear of something... Uh, you ever hear something called Rogaine before? It's this stuff that makes hair grow. I have to be perfectly honest, be perfectly honest, a number of years ago, um, I tried this. Here's, here's what the advertisement says, okay? Use Rogaine. 
I did. <laughs> use Rogaine, and, and with continued use, new hair will become the same color and thickness as your normal, healthy-looking hair. Continue using Rogaine to maximize and maintain your results. Men's Rogaine will give you the results you expect and the tools you need to succeed. (laughs) Apparently, I don't have the tools that you need in order to succeed. It, It says that you... That you have, if you used it for four months, it said keep using it. I actually did that for another four months. I, I did that. And it just says, well, just continue use. A number of years ago, I am telling the truth and Wendy can testify. A year and a half, and this is the result. <laughs> just because you read something somewhere. There are, it, it is all over the place. You turn on the television, there are these crank... TV evangelists, there are crooked politicians, there are salesmen, there are con artists galore peddling things and promoting and selling and stealing people blind. And what's, what's odd is that people are still buying stuff. They're still swallowing stuff. Whenever anyone takes the truth and twists it, turns it into a lie, let me tell you this, it is very, very dangerous. It is dangerous. Take in our world today, the lie of evolution that says we all arrived by chance, that order came from chaos. When has order ever come from chaos? It doesn't work like that. That you and I are here as a result of a single cell that sloshed up on the shore a hundred plus million years ago. No, it's a lie. Hebrews chapter 11 says what? By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. It continues on. So that what is seen is not made out of things that are visible. Our God's bigger than that which is seen. Take the lie that says a baby. A baby is not a life. Until it takes its first breath. Virtually every single body part functioning perfectly. Down to the fingernails and the eyelashes. And yet it's not a baby, people say. Until it takes its, its first breath. No, it's, it's a mass of fetal tissue, they would say. No, it's not. It's, it's a lie if you hear that. It says what? In God's word that God himself formed you and he knew you in your mother's womb. It's a lie when people say that an alternative lifestyle is not dangerous or or damaging to the younger generation. No, God's word says very clearly that sex is reserved between a husband and a wife alone. Now, for anyone else, under any circumstance... They say that it's what part of the genetic code, and yet we cannot find the gene for this. It is a lie when people elevate mankind, elevate humans to the place that that we are more superior than. It's a lie when people think that Jesus is some poor, pathetic, puny savior that is just 
begging for us to accept Him into our life. Accept Him as if Jesus needs to be accepted by us. Jesus does not need our acceptance. Jesus does not need you. And He does not need me. We need Him. We need Him for every single breath that we take. We need Him for every single time our heart beats. You realize whose name we, we are worshiping in? We are, we are greeting one another in today? Do you realize who Jesus is? He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last. He is the final amen. He is the beginning and the end. He is the bread of life. He is the living water. He is our creator and our deliverer and our everlasting father. Jesus is God. He is the good shepherd. He is the great shepherd. He is the great high priest. He is the holy one, the image of the invisible God, the judge of the living and the dead. He is the king of kings and he is the Lord of all lords. He is majestic and he is mighty. The only begotten son of the father, full of grace and truth. He is the power of God, the resurrection and the life. He is supreme and he is The sacrifice of everyone. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is the very word of God made of flesh. Do you realize who he is? People say, oh no, he's just desperately waiting for you and I to accept him. No. You see, there are many lies. And and there is the, the, the mastermind behind the lies. That is what the father of lies himself. That is Satan, the old serpent. That is the devil himself. He is ruthless and he is relentless and he will never give up regardless of the fact that he knows, he watched and he witnessed the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross and he witnessed the resurrection and he knows that he has been beat. But he continues to tell a lie. Saint knows that he's been beat because he understands the truth, the greatest truth, that God so loved mankind so much that he sent his only son to die and offer redemption from sins and eternal life in heaven. The truth is, the word of God says, the only way people get to heaven is by putting their faith and their trust in Christ. Lies come. and tell you otherwise. You don't get to heaven by reciting prayers. You don't get to heaven by making pilgrimages to to Mecca. You don't get to heaven by lighting candles or humming mantras. You don't get to heaven by by rubbing beads or knocking on people's doors or passing out tracts to them. You don't get to heaven by coming to church. You don't get to heaven by singing songs or being in the choir or being baptized or a member of a church. You don't get to heaven by, by, by taking up the offering or helping some old lady out of her car. You don't get to heaven that way. The truth of the matter is what? Salvation is through Christ. Period. Truth. Done deal. When Jesus Christ was on the cross, he cried out, It is finished. There's nothing else. 
that needs to be accomplished other than you and I putting our entire life into his hands and trusting him as our savior. Satan can't stand to hear that. Satan can't stand to to see people do that. And so he offers a lie. Romans chapter 1 describes the entire generation. It's very descriptive of our own generation. It says what? It says when a society has moved apart from God's righteousness and God's plan, it's described that they suppress the truth. It's described that their hearts have been darkened, that they exchange the truth about God for a lie. So accurate. It's what we're seeing and hearing today. And that's why we have a series like this. That's why we have a book like Galatians, a letter to us through the Holy Spirit to remind us we are forever free. Galatians has a, a twofold purpose to firm up the truth and free us from untruth. Why is that necessary? Well, Paul writes a letter to the Galatians, and you notice right out of the gate, there's not the, the, the politeness and the, the pleasantries of his normal greeting. He gets right to the matter. There's actually a false message that is being promoted from certain people within the church that's kind of blending this Old Testament law works alongside of grace. That You need both of them. Paul says, no, it's not like that. What the theme, the theme runs all the way through five verses in Galatians chapter five in verse one. Christ has set us free. And so you need to be reminded and I need to to remind you the importance of believing the truth and the dangers of believing a lie. Three points. Number one, believing a lie can quickly result in deserting the gospel. Believing a lie can very quickly result in deserting the gospel. I am astonished. I'm shocked, Paul says, that you are so quickly deserting or abandoning one who has called you in the grace of Christ. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't take long for trouble to creep in. My, I, we have a little, my little sister... Um, she's the youngest of four of us. Ruthie is her name. We call her Babe because she's like the baby of it. Get it? Uh, just checking. She was, she was probably the best athlete of everyone. And even as a little, little one, toddler, two, three years old, two, three years old she was an amazing climber. She climbed everywhere. And because mom's busy with three other bad kids, there's one bad kid that got away. And, and, and she went into the bathroom, she climbed up on the toilet, and then onto the tank, and then onto the sink, and she kind of like spider-manned her way up to the top of the medicine cabinet, and took from the top shelf a bottle of the pink baby aspirin. You know the baby, baby aspirins? Yeah, they're baby, baby aspirins. Little tiny ones. They were years ago, this is back in the 70s, before what? We didn't have like bicycle helmets and seatbelts back then either. And, and they threw the bottle onto the, the tile floor, shattered the glass bottle, climbed back down, sat in the middle, and she's what? She's having a feast on these really good-tasting baby aspirin. It only takes a minute or two. It's only, it's only a minute or two. And mom walks in. What do you think her reaction is? Hey, honey, are you having fun? 
Make sure you don't eat some of the glass when, when you're eating. the. Hey, you missed a little pink one over there. Why don't you get that one? Is that, what is the typical reaction of a parent when they discover that their child is in immediate danger? Two words come to mind. Quick and loud. That's, that's what Paul's doing here. He realizes why, just like a loving parent discovering the danger their child in as a pastor, he looks at this church and he says, I am shocked this has happened so quickly. Chronologically, they attempted to scholars to kind of put the, 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 the time frame together here. How long has it been since the five churches in Galatia were established, planted until the problem arises? Do they you realize that they estimate it to be somewhere between 10 to 14 months? That's it. Probably a year. In one year, a church that was established on the truth of the gospel and burst into growth and, and its impact in the entire region in, in, in one year's time, 12 months, there's trouble. Because it does not take long. Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly. Please understand Satan's tactic. Okay? He may wait and wait and wait and wait. And when he pounces, there can be trouble and there can be big trouble very fast. Second point, believing a lie can easily, easily result in distorting the gospel. Believing a lie can quickly result in deserting the gospel. Secondly, believing a lie can easily result in distorting the gospel. Another translation, the New King James actually words it like this. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. It's that, it's that words. Paul admonishes this church with a fault. And the fault is not necessarily adding a complete new gospel, but rather what? A perverting or a, a poisoning of the existing one. Did you ever, you ever poison something before? Not someone, okay? Like, like something like a, you got a rat in your basement or a mouse. And what do you do? You take rat poisoning. I don't know. Maybe it's wrong to do that today. I don't know. But what do you do? You, you typically take the rat poisoning and you disguise it with something. You make it look like something good. Like put the rat poison down and then put like peanut butter over top or whatever rats eat. Oreos. What, what, I don't know. You make it look like something and he wants. It's exactly, that's exactly the same approach that Satan is using right here. You see, Satan is, is not dumb. He understands that Christians are not going to buy an entire new gospel. And so he says, what, all I have to do is try to, to poison, to pervert the original one. That's exactly what the Judaizers were doing with the believers that existed in Galatia. They'll never buy a complete works-based salvation. So let's take some works-based and blend it in with a little bit of grace. 
And what? You get a master's degree for $49.99. No, 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 you don't. It's not what happens. You see, it's the same exact thing that is happening across many, many, many churches in our country, and sadly, many churches across the world today. Perhaps they haven't thrown everything out, but they have what? Taken portions. They may mention the name Jesus Christ. They may make reference to the cross. But they take that and they blend it alongside of what? You better do this. And you better show people this. You better talk like this. You better act like this. You better walk like this. And you blend what? The message of the gospel alongside some man-made, self-serving, legalistic, grace-killing laws. Just like the Judaizers were doing in first century what many people are doing today. Now notice the phrase in verse 7. It says this, but there are some. What's that? That's present tense. There are not, well, there will be present. There are some, and in a sense it's describing from among you. There's some right here. That's the tactic. That's the That's the. Peanut butter over the poison. There are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel. Very profound and very, very descriptive. That word trouble, just that word trouble right there, Gingrich actually writes, it's translated as, as the word disturbing. The word trouble can actually be, be interchanged with the word disturbing. The idea, literally it means to shake back and forth, to agitate or to stir up. It has a direct connection or connotation to this idea of being unsettled in mind, just, just, just deeply disturbed emotionally. What's interesting is that's, that's how a lot of people respond today when you ask them about their faith or their belief or tell me how you came to know the Lord. Tell me about the gospel message. And people are like, oh, you know, there's like a little bit of this and, and my mama told me this and then I heard this. And, and they're unsettled by it. An indication, what? Holy Spirit's presence brings peace. There's a calmness. There's a settledness. This is what I believe. This is why I believe it. Because God's Word says that. There are many people that are calling themselves Christians that are believing a lie. Perhaps it's through the distortion of Scripture. Perhaps it's, it's pastors that are, are misinterpreting Scripture. Or churches that are focusing on some silly, nonsensical debates. In overemphasis or an underemphasis, the imbalance of one doctrine over another, we, we, we compare Scripture with Scripture. We look at all Scripture. God's Word will never contradict itself. We are to put all of our weights to make sure that we do not buy something that is not truth. If you ever hear something from me that does not match this Word, get rid of me. That's how important this is. That's what Paul is saying. Look at, what, look at what Paul tells a young pastor, Pastor Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, do your best to, prevent, to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. 
handle this correctly. Handle this carefully. This is the very word of God's. It is truth. And under no circumstance are we ever to distort, to poison, or to pervert the clarity of the message of the gospel. Thirdly and finally, believing a lie can certainly result in diminishing the gospel. Believing a lie can certainly result in diminishing the gospel. Back to our text to emphasize the, the fact that the, that the true gospel of the grace of God cannot be changed and will not be changed. What Paul does here, he is interesting, he, he presents a hypothetical, a hypothetical case. Paul is so emphatic on this, it's kind of strong language. He says, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel that is contrary to the one that you have received. Then he says, if an angel comes down from heaven, sits on your shoulder, blows a trumpet, and tells you something different than the gospel that you've heard from me at the very start. Look at this, look at this. Let him be accursed. Please understand that a gospel contrary, another translation uses the phrase, or any other gospel. Understand this. It's not the gospel. So we understand that first and foremost. Any other, then it's not the gospel. Therefore, when one attempts to what? Add to or detract from the truth of the gospel, they are elevating themselves over Christ, thus what? Thus diminishing the gospel. Please note, they do not and they cannot diminish the value of the gospel. The, the value of the gospel can never be diminished. They diminish one's view of the gospel. And sadly, that happens. That happens all over the place. That happens all the time. And it is a most serious offense. Well, how serious? I'm glad that you asked the question because look, it says if you believe this, let him be accursed. It's one of the strongest words that is used in the New Testament. The word is anathema. Let him be anathema. Here's what it means. Let him be eternally condemned. Raw translation, anyone who believes a gospel that is contrary to the truth, let him be damned. That's what Paul says. So important is this. It's almost awkward to read it because you're like, didn't I just read this? Did I, did I miss where I'm reading? He repeats it. He repeats exactly, almost word for word. He repeats the exact same thing. If anyone comes to you and tells you something else, let him be eternally condemned. Eugene Peterson, in his paraphrase, says this in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. Let, let me be blunt. If one of us, even if an angel from heaven were to preach something other than what we preached, let him be cursed. The consequence is most severe because why? Because the, the, the offense is so damaging. The consequence is so severe because the offense is, is so dangerous. It is so destructive. 
The false teachers of Paul's day, just like the false teachers of our day today, are getting people to swallow lies that say that that salvation, if it's dependent upon anything else other than the work of Christ, it's dependent upon your works, your good works, the good deeds that you do. That's what you have to do, and that's, that's not the truth. Many people today, many people today, it's interesting when you listen to people's stories of their own that, that they, they begin with, well, I, I have been in church since I was a little boy. Great. It doesn't get you to heaven. You have to understand that. Yeah, but, but years ago, I, I, I went out in snowstorms and I picked kids up and brought them to church to go to Sunday school. Thank you, but that doesn't get you to heaven. Well, I helped a little old lady, a neighbor, and she couldn't carry groceries, and I went out, and I did that wonderful. Thank you. People are always telling me, and I don't know why it is. It's kind of weird. When I introduce myself, to, I don't say I'm pastored. I just say, hey, my name's Tim. Oddly enough, somehow it comes up that I'm a pastor. I don't know how that happens. As soon as people find out, this is, this is a general response. Well, you know, my... My granddaddy was a preacher. That's really cool. That's, that's really cool. I hope your granddaddy was preaching the truth of the gospel, but it doesn't help you any that your granddaddy was a preacher. Well, my mama sang in the choir. Well, great. I hope she could sing well. I stink. But it's not going to help you. You understand what we're saying here? There's nothing that you and I can do. There's not good works that somehow show up on the, the scoreboard of life that are going to help you win a spot in heaven for all of eternity. Not according to what we see in Scripture. So don't believe it. Don't boast in what you've done. Other than kicking and scratching and fighting and biting and trying to determine who's more religious and who's more spiritual, look how Paul concludes this. Look at the strength. Of verse 10, he says this. He's asking a rhetorical question. He's asking a question that doesn't even need to be answered. It's so obvious. It doesn't even need an answer. For am I seeking the approval of man or of God? He repeats it. Am I, am I trying to please man? And then he says this, if I were still trying to please man, then I would not even be a servant of Christ. Ouch! He hits us right between the eyes. Why? Because you and I understand how much we do with an understanding that what? This is going to look pretty good for the person that sits next to us. So much of what we do is what? Is about trying to make ourselves look better in the sight of other people. And that has nothing to do with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see how blunt Paul is here? He, he, I tell you what, he, he hits where it hurts. He acknowledges this. Paul feels so strong on this and he challenges us to look and to ask, how much do we do? Yeah, but, but I take out the garbage when no one else sees. How much do we do to please others as opposed to strictly pleasing God? 
That's the, that's the question that needs to be answered. So I would say do not, do, not, do not be persuaded by a lie. Don't swallow some partial truth. Don't be misled into thinking that your works mean more than God's grace. Your works can never and will never match God's grace. I was researching for this, and, and I know it seems kind of weird. It's kind of awkward almost. I, I, I called poison control. I didn't want to, like, 911 it because then they're, like, really nervous. But I called poison control, and I asked them a question. I said, how, what happens? How long have I got if I've just ingested poison? Lady's like, you okay? Did you take anything? I said, no, I'm fine. I said, I just need to ask a question. Like how, how, how dangerous is it? If I actually, and she said this, if, if there's enough of it, okay, you've taken enough of it, it is not good. You believe enough of this. You, 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 you bite this lie? You believe this lie? I tell you what, it is dangerous. Trouble comes. That's why we need to be so accurate. That's why we have to be so familiar with. That's why we have to be students of this word regularly. Don't wait till next Sunday. Dust the Bible off, okay, before you come. You, you need to know this. Know the truth of this. So that if you ever hear anything that is contrary to the message of the gospel, it says what? There is a holy God and we are sinful men and there's a great chasm between the two. But God looked at us and loved us to die on, on the cross in a place that we deserve and closing the gap. He did not stay dead but rose again from the dead so we can walk in the newness of redeemed and forgiven life. The message of the gospel. If you, you ever hear anything that budges from that, it's dependent upon what you do, how you look then you don't believe it. You don't believe it. You believe, you rest, and you trust in God, in God alone. I've been, I've been concluding a lot of my letters recently, or email, um, with three words. Eyes on Him. Eyes on Him. May I conclude? Sure I can. You gave me permission. May I conclude this message by reminding you what? Don't worry about other people. Don't worry about other people are thinking, what they're doing. Okay? Eyes on Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for who You are. We thank You for the sufficiency, the all-sufficiency of the work of salvation that comes through, through what You've done for us in the cross. Help us, Lord, to keep our eyes fixed on You. In Your name we pray. Amen.